To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? How are ya? Man, I'm just getting back from an epic trip to the Pacific Northwest, uh, out fishing the Olympic Peninsula for steelhead. Just had so much fun with buddies out there, so many great laughs, and good fish hooked. It's so fun. Uh, prior to that, getting back from the Western Hunting Expo down there in Salt Lake City. Um, just great to, to hang out with the Eastmans and, and catch up. Um, gosh, the Eastmans rented this vacation rental house that was downtown, close to the Expo, Um Gosh, it, it, it sat like upstairs a couple floors where you could just see the streets and then, you know, five bedroom, four bath, just as nice as you could get. So really fun to stay there, hang out with those guys and then uh, meet new people at the show, uh, connect with, with old friends and acquaintances at the show and then sit down and just record some some great content. Um, man, these podcasts I'm sitting on are truly next level. Just some great conversations, including today's. So today I sit down with Willie Schmidt from Pure Hunting TV. Uh, Willie Schmidt has been on the podcast before, but I just really like this guy. I, I always enjoy sitting down with him. Um, he He's uh, the friendliest guy. He's always got a smile on his face, and he's always so excited about hunting and the adventure, uh, uh, learning from his mistakes and getting better, uh, family so important to him. So we just sit down and have the these genuine conversations, and we embarrass him a little bit in the podcast uh, by giving him a couple compliments of just what a great guy he is. Me and um, Scott Reekers from Eastman's also sits in on the conversation. So one of the nice thing about these shows is um, I can usually get one or multiple of the Eastman's to sit in. So you'll hear them on the recordings. I've got Scott Reekers, Brandon Mason coming up. Uh, Ike Eastman always does great on the podcast and then uh got guy eastman on there which is always hilarious he's um he's such a sniper with his words as he just kind of sits back waits for his time to jump in and he's always got something hilarious or uh makes a good point so always fun to have guy on the podcast but today's is going to be scott reekers and willie schmidt um just a great conversation uh i really enjoyed it i know you guys will enjoy it too Sponsors for today's show, I want to thank Onyx for their support. Uh, we sat down and recorded a great podcast with Onyx. Um, with um, we, we had a couple of their, their guys on that, that really love to, to hunt Montana and hunt mule deer. And so we just get into it and we get into to Onyx and some scouting tips. And um, it's more of a hunting conversation than an Onyx conversation, but it's a great podcast. But Onyx is a great company. It has changed the way I hunt and scout. Their app that I can use on my phone, on my computer, uh, where I can get uh, aerial imagery, I can get uh, topography, I can get a hybrid of both systems, uh, I can overlay public-private on there. And, and the GPS works whether I have cell phone service or not. Um, you just save the maps before you go to a place without service and your GPS still works. Um, and so I don't even use a GPS anymore. I just use my phone. Um, you're able to mark waypoints. You're able to send waypoints to buddies to meet you if you kill a bull. Um, it, it's just a, an absolutely awesome program that I have fallen in love with. And I, I sure appreciate, 
um, their support uh, over there at Onyx. They're just great. The other sponsor I want to thank for the show is Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, Sportsman's Warehouse does a great job uh, of hiring knowledgeable employees for for each department in their store, and I. It's always so nice when you can go in and touch and feel and try on the product that you, you'll be using for season. And Sportsman's Warehouse allows you to do that, carrying the very best brands. They carry uh, Sitka. They carry Zamberlin, which are our pod, you know, podcast supporters, and, and tons of other brands in there. Um, Sportsman's Warehouse was great. They had us in the booth this year at the Western Hunting Expo. So this is where we recorded all our podcasts. And their staff there was super knowledgeable, uh, really nice, helping me get it set up with, uh, uh, you know, tables and chairs or a place to record, um, which space is precious in the Western Hunting Expo. So I really appreciate it. It's just a great store where you can go in and touch and feel what you need. And uh, I just stopped by there before I went on this fishing trip to the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, They always just have the best hooks in there and best gear. Um, so picked up some, some hooks in there. I also like, uh, I like using their, their P line for tippet instead of buying the expensive fly fishing tippet. Now, sometimes you need it if you're going to go to like seven X or something like that. But for the most part, I can buy my line in bulk there and it, it just, it never busts. It's so strong for the pound test that it is, but they, they just have absolutely everything. I was also in there in the market for a new, um, tripod. It's always a mix between, uh, weight and function and how sturdy it is and uh, gosh I'm able to get out those tripods and try them out in the store put a scope on them sit down kneel down really get a feel for which tripod's going to be right for me and uh, it, it's just it, it's such a it's so advantageous for us hunters to be able to try on what we're using or try out what we'll be buying and using for season and Sportsman's Warehouse allows us to do that so uh, if, if you need anything Western hunting, need anything fishing, optics, uh, they have a great gun department, uh, a bow department, uh, make sure to check out Sportsman's Warehouse. And with that, um, yeah, let's get on with this podcast. Uh, like I say, I, I always enjoy talking to Willie, and this is no different. It's a great conversation between the three of us. Um. Man, I'm just getting back from another epic adventure. I am so fortunate. I'm so lucky. I just I get to go all over doing the 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 coolest blue collar adventures. Um, I I just can't believe like uh, you know where my life's at right now and and being able to go on these things. So went down to the Olympic Peninsula, uh, where I grew up. Um, well, I grew up a couple hours from there, hour and a half. Um, in Olympia, Washington, but yeah, able to go out there and chase steelhead and time it right where the systems are in shape, fish four different rivers, river systems. Um, man, I mean, white water, we, we spun around, uh, twice in one rapid, uh, that we, that we coined or that we named Sean white because we spun two three sixties in it. So it, it's pretty gnarly. You got to pick your line, but there's 15 different drops in there. So you almost just come up to it and go, okay, I'm going right here. Or I'm going left here. And we went Sean right when we should have went Sean left and spun a couple circles in it, but just such a riot with like really good buddies. Um, catching fish and fishing from from daylight till dark um man it just doesn't get any better and they're a fish of a thousand casts and you do like fish all day and you might not touch a fish all day heck you might not touch a fish for the entire week 
but it seems like eventually you just keep casting, you just keep fishing, keep making your best bet, and there'll be one there, you know. Um, so fun. So, anyways, let's. Uh, oh, I want to tell you guys. Um, also, uh, the make sure to check out the other things that Eastman's has going on. Uh, so fun to hang out with those guys at the Western Hunting Expo. But um, make sure to check out the Beyond the Grid, which is the internet TV show. You just su- search that on YouTube. Uh, the the show on the Outdoor Channel, Eastman's Hunting TV. I've got a couple episodes, new episodes out on that. Um, Eastman's Elevated. You guys are supporting the podcast right now. Thanks so much for it. I really appreciate it. You guys are the reason why this thing's work. This thing works, and um, so nice to meet uh, you know, a bunch of different guys at the Western Hunting Expo and shake hands and visit for a little bit. Just um, such a great group of passionate guys listening to this podcast that just absolutely love hunting, love adventure. Um, you know, and, and give me the support, you know, through listening to the podcast and, uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes and, um, the follows on social media. Um, yeah, it's super humbling. I just, uh, I really enjoy doing it. Um, you know, I, and I see improvement, um, slowly, but surely I just get better and better at getting that, getting you guys that, that good next level content. And, um, so yeah, just going to continue to work at it. Uh, also, make sure to check out our magazines. I also pour my heart and soul into these articles. I've got a great spring bear one coming up. Uh, we've got a new special promo code for the podcast. So, um, what you can do is uh, let me see. I got to look up the uh, code again, but it's um, one second here. Okay, so uh, you text elevated two twenty to two two eight two eight. And that'll get you a subscription to both magazines. It'll get you a free Outdoor Edge knife. So you get the six issues of the Eastman's Hunting Journal, six issues of the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. It's $49.99. That includes all the shipping. They'll get you a new knife out. And the Outdoor Edge knife, uh, replaceable blade, uh, uh, lightweight knife. Gosh, you can you can bone and quarter and process an entire elk with one knife. Uh, I can get through it with one blade. Sometimes elk take a couple blades, but it's just so nice to change out those blades and have an ultra sharp one. So, um, yeah, that that's the code for the magazine. Like I say, so much great content from the subscriber stories to the pro staff stories. Um, and, and then also the MRS is so valuable and they're constantly evolving this MRS. I'm so impressed by the new information just even this year that they have, but they, they put so many statistics in there, you know, percentage of public land access, they put in, um, you know, they have a rating system, blue chip, green chip, yellow chip, just gives you a real good feel for these states and, and what they offer for hunts. They break it down into rifle hunting, muzzleloader hunting, bow hunting, uh, and give you those those tags that are sought after, and also you know give you some some easier to draw tags for a good experience there. So I have used this for years. Uh, it's such a, a great resource for us hunters. So uh, if you don't have a subscription, make sure to check it out over there at Eastman's. You got that code. You can text that code in, or you can punch that code into the website and uh, get the same deal there. So. Um, well, yeah, let's get this thing rolling. I've been talking long enough. So, uh, Scott Reekers, Willie Schmidt, and I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. All right. Test, test, test. Willie? 
Test here. Check, check. Yep, gotcha. Scott? Test one, two. Test one, two. Yeah, good to go. Cool. Okay, I'm here at the Sportsman's Expo um, getting a chance. I've got Scott Reekers sitting in on the recording, and then we have Willie Schmidt on the mic. Willie, I always enjoy our conversations. It's good to see you, man. It's good to, good to be here. I uh, love talking to you guys. Whether it's hanging out at a bar or doing a podcast, it's always a good time. <laughs> it is always a good time, right? <laughs> yeah, yep. uh-huh, for sure. Well, congratulations. Another season of Pure Hunting TV. Man, it's amazing. I still pinch myself. I can't believe it. I mean, there's not many people who've been doing it as long as Eastman's for sure. But, uh, yeah, just finished airing season eight. I thought when we started this thing, if I hit season three or four, it would have been a yeah. pretty good run. There's a lot of attrition, as we know, in the outdoor TV space. But yeah. And I'm pretty much all done with season nine ready to roll this fall so it's uh it's exciting it's a little surreal but it's exciting congratulations well it it it's just due to that really good product that you put out consistently and you keep evolving it as well like i'm really excited about this new season i've seen some of your promotion kind of building it up but it's more it's it's well why don't you go ahead and describe it it's telling your story right it is, it's, and not every episode's that way because we had already filmed most of the uh, most of the season in the fall. But working with the production company, you know, you never want to uh, rest on your laurels. And I think there's a bunch of people out there who see any of us on TV and yeah. are like, "Well, what what's he really like?" Because all they ever see is the yep. the hunting, you know, and the from start to finish, just no backstory. So we, especially in the first episode, created kind of a what is pure hunting, and it's a little odd to think you do it. In season eight yeah but uh we did it and it was really really well received and we incorporated some of that interview style into each of the episodes and i did a hunt with my daughter which we incorporated and kind of our move to bozeman so the first episode was almost exclusively that with some never seen never seen before footage <laughs> of of what we'd done even before pure hunting started yeah. just you know always been a hunter and i think people think you become something when you have a TV show. It's, it's been who I am forever. Yeah. And uh, it was really well received. So I think we'll mix things up a little bit for season nine and incorporate some of that stuff. Oh, that, that authentic, authenticity, like when you can um, really share who you are, it's amazing how well the audience connects with it, isn't it? Yes. And the more you put, your out, put yourself out there and the more you're worried of how you're perceived and you're really honest with the, the film or the, the podcast or whatever it is, it seems like people connect with it even more so. Mm-hmm. I agree. And there's been very little negativity. And you no, know, anytime you put yourself out there, you're going to yeah. get some. And, and those, that's fine. I've learned to have broader shoulders and thicker skin throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And honestly, those people are probably not who you're trying to attract anyway. Mm-hmm. So it feels it feels really good. I've had a lot of good feedback. It makes you feel, some people are like, God, that's such a refreshing thing to, to open yourself up. It took a lot of guts. You put yeah. yourself in sort of a vulnerable position. And my family got involved, which was really cool, which I know a lot of people like to keep family and their job separate. But that's who makes all of us who we are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they did it with open arms, and it turned out really well. And, again, if, if nothing else came of it, I've got it on video forever yeah. and ever and ever. You okay. know? And, and a lot of that's on season eight. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Season eight. And you have a hunt with your daughter on there as well? Right. Oh, how yep. cool. How old is your daughter? She's 22. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pronghorn hunt in Montana we did two years ago. and. That's the perfect hunt to start them off with, yeah. or uh, the perfect hunt yeah. to share with them because it's so much excitement. And, and if I'm being honest, those are my funnest hunts of the year, too, is those <laughs> antelope hunts. I oh. love those things. 
Oh, yeah. You've always said hunting with family, and I agree. I mean, that's really what yeah. it's all about. And uh, part of the thing, too, is she missed twice. She's a good shot, missed twice, whether it was the camera, the nervousness. We had a little father-daughter moment where I was trying to be the guide and do everything, and she was getting frustrated, missed, <laughs> and there was a little meltdown. And and then she, I was really worried it ruined her, and she went out not for one of our hunts but later and, and made a great shot about 50% longer than she missed on the wow. pronghorn on a mule deer out east. She won a hunt through a uh, college conservation organization. Um, but we showed all that. I mean, that's, un you know, I didn't do it to make her seem like a failure as a hunter, mm -hmm. but that that's what happens. Yeah. Authenticity. It, that's, it how, that's how the hunt goes down. And yep. the reality of the situation is it's, it's tough to make a good shot with yes. a rifle. It's easy to sit here and think that, oh, if that deer's at 200 yards, I'm going to kill it 10 out of 10 times. I've seen really good rifle shots miss some some really easy yes, rifle right. kills, you know? So it's not easy to do in that fog of adrenaline and in that pressure. But how cool. So you guys went out, captured it, and then shared it. And then she went out and, and kind of went out for that mule deer and I bet you she learned from it and had it in her head what the right moves were and learned from those couple of mistakes of missing and then was able to to make that good execution on that mule deer and that had to feel good it did when she sent me the picture and said she got it done and sent sent me the photo it was it was I'm sure a huge relief for her a very proud moment but it made me really happy and proud inside too to know that she she did overcome and the ironic thing is it's not that she went out on her own and was just by herself yes there was no camera but it was a hunt she won and she had to go out with the landowner it was a management buck deal that again was donated to this conservation group so she you'd think hunting with your dad would be as next to easy as doing it by yourself and but when you've got like the ranch manager or, or guide for the ranch with you they're kind of wondering who's this young gal and is she going to be able to make the shot so for her to do that with i would say more pressure and a longer shot it just showed that you know those things happen, and we all have, we all have misses. Yep. And I've said if you say you haven't missed an animal, you either are lying or you haven't done it long enough. Exactly, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> I, it's starting to be a common theme that I miss every time I have a show on Eastman. So I feel <laughs> her pain. I, they oh. always air them too. It makes for a good story, and it's authentic, and it's how it really happens. Like yep. you say, we all miss, you know, and I, you know. I try to figure it out on camera what went wrong. Sometimes I have an excuse. Sometimes I usually always have a reason, but uh, uh, sometimes I need to get down to the core of the problems, or sometimes I just flat out miss. But yep. it, it is not easy to make a good shot consistently. I have tried my whole life to have a perfect season. Uh, uh, and what I mean by a perfect season is, say, five animals with my bow and arrow with five arrows. Right. I am yet to do that in my entire life. I have yeah. never had a perfect season. I always get a miss in there. And even when you do everything right, you know, one out of four mule deer is going to jump your string. One out of three antelope is going to jump your string. So you can do everything right and then still miss on top of it. Yep. Yeah. It may not be you at all. Yeah. And that's, I think that tied, like, what we're talking about is all this stuff makes you human which makes you more relatable. Like like what you're saying with with the miss, I learn more about my shooting technique that needs improvement from a miss, which makes me a better hunter later. Like it was 2010 and I didn't know a lot about declination. 
play. And it was only a 370-yard shot, mm -hmm. but it was actually a 220-yard shot based on, you know, ah. you know it was Declination is on the angle? The, is that what you're The steep angle, okay, yeah. Yep. So it's, you know, when you look at it, it's actually the amount of gravity applied to the bullet, not the actual distance that it goes. I had no idea on that, but now I can speak to it. But that makes you human, you know, just... You know, just being being around people who have a lot of exposure and being around people like, you know, they're all very human. And it's cool that you're able to show that humanity. Um, I look forward to the day where my daughters are old enough to, to actually pull the pull the trigger on a big game animal. Um, we, we went goose hunting for the first time where Ella actually came along with me. Mm -hmm. That was... That was entertaining. We had three little girls, all about four, three to four <laughs> years old, in a goose blind. It's almost 60 degrees. We hammered them that day. But the funniest part was they're playing duck, duck, goose out behind the blind. And every time we said, okay, whenever we start calling, your job is to sit. Like, as soon as you hear us goose calling, just sit down. Just sit and be still. It worked. And they had a blast. They watched the dogs. And, you know, it's, it's fun. But it, it – it's one of those reminders of what's you know what's important when you see them do that, and I, I look forward to the day where you know where my girls tell me that yeah I did this on my own. Yeah, so that, that'd be it'll be pretty cool when that happens. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, well, yeah, it's, it it'd be really easy to edit yourself as the hero, right? That's really easy to do to just <laughs> yeah. cut right? out that miss, right? skip over it, and just show the hero shot, you know. But uh, it builds a better story, and like you say, people connect with it more when you show those misses because that's real life out there. Mm -hmm. Everybody is missing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, it makes it fun. So, uh, what hunts do you have coming up for season nine? Uh, well. A couple of really cool ones. I went on my first doll sheep hunt. Unfo what? Unfortunately, it was an unsuccessful one, only because we didn't, I like to say only because, but we never saw a legal ram. Ah. Um, and that's always frustrating. I think people, there's a perception out there, no doubt, that the number one TV shows haven't made, and it's always successful and whatnot, and that especially if you're paying for these high-dollar bucket list hunts, that it's, it's guaranteed. Yeah. And it's not. So... There's enough for an episode. The outfitter, I'll give a lot of credit to for lots of reasons, but he said, you know, if we get, if we see legal rams and you don't get on them or we blow a stock or whatever and that's your only one, that's hunting. If I don't do a job, if I don't do my, I'm not doing my job if I don't get you on a legal ram. And it, it is what it is. You only cover so much country. And he said, so I'm likely going to go back this fall oh, as wow. a rehunt. Well, cool. So, um, yeah, it, he's got to figure out his normal paid clients and guide situation figure out time of year and then i need to say well am i going to take advantage of this can i make it work but if so yeah. i think that'd be a cool follow-up to do as sort of a part two um so that's that's hopefully there is a part two on that and it'll be successful i killed uh my biggest bull ever that I'll probably ever kill in my life, which was a really cool experience down in New mexico congratulations yeah, willie that is awesome really cool big uh, six point uh, seven. Is it? Oh, man. I'm yeah. sure I saw it come across my feet, but now i got to go it. back and look again. Congratulations, yeah. man. You've been it working at it a long time, and you love to hunt elk. That's, that's my biggest passion. And we went down this deal. My buddy Chris and I uh, applied and went down there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a unit that the elk density is really low, and we were told you may go a whole week and not even see an elk, but what you see will likely be callable and will be likely pretty good size. And we actually came out with two bulls in four <laughs> days down there. We saw 
four elk and we killed two of them. Oh my gosh. Which was really cool. That's cool. Those and low density areas are tough to hunt. They it's are tough, tough to keep your mind right during when you're not yep. seeing elk. Yeah. I would think. It was it was and the good news was we saw that one on the the second day but the first day we put on eight miles or something like that it was hot there was a lot of rain um we didn't see a track we didn't hear a bugle we didn't see an elk and so that next day when we were out in the afternoon i'm like well i'm just gonna do a locator bugle and when he fired off right off the bat you're like okay game on now you just need to figure out where is he and play all the all the games and get the wind and whatnot and it just turned out to be a bull of a lifetime the cool story about that is i hunted wyoming before that and um i my i called one in for my buddy and he hit one in the shoulder didn't recover it and we were going down to new mexico and i called my son and was talking to him he's like man it's too bad about wyoming he goes but i think you're going to go down and kill a bull of a lifetime and i'm like yeah yeah whatever you know nice nice talk to you i'll keep you posted and if there's a and he's like, I freaking called it when I <laughs> sent him the text. After my, I'm like, you really did. I just had forgotten about it, right? Because kids will just say stuff like that in passing. Um, That's funny. So that was cool. And then probably the most special hunt, though, was uh, in uh, Kansas. I did a, uh, uh, what am I thinking, a sublease with an outfitter and went down there But my in Kansas for whitetail. And my dad joined on that hunt. And we hadn't had a big game hunt together for a couple of years. He's had a few health issues and whatnot. So for him to share a hunting camp with me and a few buddies and everything and he was he was successful used a crossbow he has some shoulder issues and couldn't pull a bow back but just to share that together was unbelievably special that's cool man how cool and you know with your filming you're always thinking of what the next hunt or what's going to make an episode but doing those hunts with your family and then turning those into de- to an episode to share with the public. That is so cool, Willie. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. It really is. It is. Yeah. So when people are like, see the quality of bull, oh, that's your best hunt of the year. I'm like, well, it was a great hunt and a great animal, but the time I could spend with my dad, he's 76, and yeah. you know, I just say, God willing, the creek don't rise, we can do it again next year. And it made me say, you know, I need to make it a priority to do that with him and give up maybe a couple of other things to, to do that mm-hmm. because it may be another 10 years, it may be a year or maybe five, but you, it, tomorrow's never yeah. promised. And uh, I just need to make that as a priority. What a heck of a season you have coming up on, on season nine. Uh, the doll sheep, that's unreal. They, those sheep just live in the wildest places and that Alaska is wild in itself and so remote. So to get up to that uh, uh well, above tree line or those those o- open alpine basins with rock tops, and then it's just tough to navigate around. I'm sure you guys put in a bunch of miles trying to find a legal ram, and then to team up with such a great outfitter and great people. Like that's why I like hunting with good people. Yep. And he said, you know, you didn't get your chance. I'm gonna make it. Ha- you know, you're gonna come back up this next season, and you have to fit inside his schedule. But what a great outfitter! What a great hunt! Yep. And you know, I know. You know, my favorite hunt of the year was an unsuccessful one, but it was such an adventure. The last two days without food and nine days chasing <laughs> mule deer and my best buddy with me and he killed a good buck. That was my favorite hunt of the year, you know. So um, it is just enjoying along the way, but that had to be a special hunt. It was cool. It was a ton of fun. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what's coming down. I mean, looking forward to putting these episodes together for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not very often that you get done in November and you're like, I've got all the episodes I need for the upcoming year, you know? Um, we did a waterfowl hunt after that as a buffer, and, and I'm probably going to go to Texas again and do a 
my just sort of annual Texas hog hunt, which mm-hmm. is just a ton of fun with, with Chris and, and the guy that I've befriended, who actually is getting more involved in pure hunting. His name is Randy Peck, and met him a few years ago, and we've done a few hunts. He's invited me down to Texas. I think this will be the fifth year, but we've been to Hawaii to hunt Lanai together, went to Alaska for moose together, and I finally decided, you know, he's been enough a part of it and he may not have a lot of in front of the camera experience, but he's going on some cool adventures. It'd be crazy to not capture it. So one of the other hunts that's coming up on season nine is he went to Greenland and did the muskox and caribou hunt. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, you know, it was always, he's trying to get that, uh, the big 10, you know, with his bow. And, and now he's just short a sheep because he did the muskox and got the caribou. But I think that'll be, and that's a hunt I wasn't on. So I'm going to be as anxious as anybody else to see the episode yeah. come out just because, uh, the filming, you know, Lane Walter, mm-hmm. he went and filmed that one, and oh, cool. uh, obviously a great guy and yes. a great videographer. So that'll be probably a, a two-parter as well, and one that I wasn't even a part of. But I'm just really excited to have that be part of, you know, Pure Hunting season nine. Yeah, Lane's got a great eye behind the lens. He filmed a hunt for me one time, and yeah. um, he's just a go-getter. So yeah, I, I bet you're excited to look through the footage and see what you have and put it all together. Oh, that'll yeah. make a great episode or a two-parter. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. How cool. Man, you got a, a bunch of good episodes coming out. And so, like, I remember talking about it. Can can guys find your season eight now, or is it just on the Sportsman's channel, or how do they find that? I'm putting it on uh, YouTube, but they can access it through the website. Oh, cool. I'm able to Pure start hunting pr- purehunting.com. Just purehunting.com. Pure gotcha. Yep. And uh, I can't, I, I'm not putting all the episodes up just yet uh, because they've got to have been off the air for a certain period of time before I can put them online. Okay. But the other thing that I'm doing, which I think is kind of cool, instead of, I used to just release the episodes, just full episodes, and that was it. So I'm filming some reflection pieces now, just self-filming them, just talking about the hunt, minute and a half or something like that with some cutaways, just sort of an additional tease. But, you know, you, you think about all these hunts, and after you've watched them six months, a year later, and you're like, you know, that was really special, but why? Because you can't yeah. capture all of it, and, and you do the editing, and you can't, capture everything in your true emotion especially reflecting back so doing that for each episode and releasing that onto uh, the website as well man what a great add-on to those episodes to get yeah. your authentic thoughts on it after the editor after the hunt yeah because you're you're right it kind of sinks in what was important on that hunt what was meaningful mm-hmm. uh the journey and uh, uh so to and to be able to when you articulate that or tell that, it just tells a better story. People get a better feel for that episode. It's not just the kill shot or the hunt, but to, to get your thoughts on it. That's really cool, Willie. I may yep. take a page out of your playbook and, and use that. Hey, I'd be honored if you did. It just adds a little bit more, you know, and I, I don't pretend to know everything. Somebody mentioned it to me. Why don't we add a little more? And I thought, you know, that's kind of a cool little yeah. little piece, a little tidbit. And then, again, just opens the door a little bit more to to who you are mm-hmm. that's the beauty of that digital space though we can you don't have to be inside that 30 minute window you can oh well it's 35 minutes and 0.2 seconds you know it's it's beautiful that you can do that you can add that you know like brian's done a couple episodes of beyond the grid and being able to it's the episode's done when it's done mm-hmm. that part is really cool in that digital space being able to take advantage of that add a little bit extra and build those things that you don't always get to see on like our linear platforms. I love linear, but it's just that that's extra that you can do, you know, and and let's be honest, you know, like when 
you know, when when we watch YouTube on the phone or whatever, it's it's at an odd place when the TV's not available, and so right. that's when you can do that that extra those extra things and see that and see a different adventure, you know, and and, and you can watch as long a video or as short a video as you want, and that's what I love about being able to right. do these YouTube platforms, things like that. Absolutely, man. Well, I caught a couple episodes of season eight, but I definitely need to go catch up on the website, and I like that you you've added more. To those uh, to those episodes, that'll be really cool to watch. I've had fun doing it. I sure have. It's it's uh, it's it's a wild ride, as we all know, but I still love it. And if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like you're working as much. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. You love what you do. It's not really work. That's right. Yeah, that's right. How cool. Well, and you've gotten you've gotten so good at telling the story through film. You know, you've been doing it for so long now, but you keep evolving your process and making it better. seems like every year you're trying to improve something here or there, or just improve storyteller, improved in front of the camera. And then you're going on all these wild Western adventures too. Just makes for a, for a really good show. It, I appreciate that. It's, it's fun. I've tried to always just, you know, A, B myself, tell yeah. the story as it happened. And, and I've been fortunate that, had some success and not just from the hunting standpoint but you know being able to tell good stories and and have the run that we have and as you know a lot of it's you know uh kudos to the partners that you build in long-term relationships Mm -hmm. because without without our sponsor partners a lot of this you know wouldn't happen and it's uh makes me proud to sit there and look back on the it took you know a year or so to get things going but clear back to season two i bet you it's the 80 20 rule defaults i have 80 percent of the same partners and people are always like, well, how's the show going? I'm like, it's it's hard to gauge it. You get the numbers from the network on how many yeah. viewers and, you know, YouTube clicks mm-hmm. and all that type of thing. But if your sponsor partners are really happy and, and yep. you know, hopefully grow with you and mm-hmm. seem happy and you don't have to go out. I hate the product switchers. I, I hate to say that, but, you know, some people are, yep. it's a business and I get that. But long-term relationships yes. are much more valuable. I think people see that. Oh, Browning pops up all the time. Hoyt shows up, you know, mm-hmm. every year since season three. And that that means a lot to me because it means I'm hopefully doing something right and, and representing them well, being true to myself, and they're proud to, to be partnering with me and think mm-hmm. I'm representing them well. Yep. That's so true, Willie. Yeah, just the relationships and uh, the mutually beneficial, you know. Yep. You get the... Uh, the benefit of being able to film these great shows, and then they get the benefit uh, of you showcasing, you know, their their really good bows or their really good rifles or camo or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And through that, they get better sales out of it. So it's so great when you can build those relationships and you you believe in each other and they support you. And that's the whole reason why we're wow. on the podcast today too. You know, we have got great sponsors that yep. stand behind the podcast that pay for me to be at a show like this, pay for me to put in my time to get the content done because uh, if there's no payment, uh, I, I better get my nail bags on and start making some money somewhere because I've got <laughs> bills to pay. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I, I don't like skinny kids, neither does my wife, you know. Right. So, I mean, but I, the relationships inside, it's really easy, you know, and I say this knowing full well that we recently released an episode of Making Hunting Great Again, and we poked a lot of fun <laughs> at a lot that. of ourselves. Yeah. Like, Brian opened the podcast up where, he, you know, he's like, dude, I'm one of the Westies you make fun of, you know, and so there's a <laughs> lot of opportunity for um, for us to, you know, not take ourselves too seriously. But my favorite part of show season is the relationships. You mm-hmm. see, you know, the same people over and over. Um, in fact, Willie, I'll be honest, it was the, 
you made an impression on me that first year at ATA, and I doubt you even even remember this, but you walked up to Ike and I, you said hi to Ike. I'm just the dude there with Ike at that point. You know, this was my first year, any show that I've been to. You reached out, shook my hand, and said, hey, I'm Willie. Nice to meet you. And then we introduced ourselves. Well, later that week, I was separated from Ike. You remembered my name. So that made an impression on me because that was one of the things that Brandon and, and Ike had really said to me that, Scott, if you remember people's names, it goes a long way mm-hmm. during the show season. And, and so it goes a long way in building relationships, not just with, you know, with, with partners and people we work with you know, on the business side of things, but just in general on this, this type of interaction right here. And that was the, I, I've never told you that story, well. but it's, it, was the, it was the nail that you know, sunk in and made that a huge part of my like, impression on me because I'm like, dude, this guy's been here for a while and done this, and he remembered my name. You know, who am I? I'm just the, I'm just the dude learning this over here with Ike, and now, you know, five years later, you know, it's, it's cool to see, but it's just, it's relationships. It's a, it's a big deal to have those, and that's the same type you look for around hunting camp. I'm not going to hunting with somebody I don't have a good relationship no, with. No, you're, you're right, and I mean, I appreciate that, and I, you know, it's, it's not always perfect. I'll never forget a face, but if I can remember a name, I feel a heck of a lot better, and I know yeah. what it means. There's nothing I hate worse when you, I've met, I, and I've, I've met people two or three times, and I get people don't remember names and stuff. But when you act like it's the very first time I've ever met you, yeah, I don't have time for that. It's like yeah. you know, I remember something. I mean, whether that's a fault of theirs or I just I'm a wallflower. I don't know, but it's like yeah. you know, just at least fake and act like you've been there because it does mean and that to me shows a character flaw in that person a little bit Willie, you do such a great job yeah you've always uh gone out of your way to come say hi to me to come talk to me whenever you see me and we were just on a podcast one time and then it seems like we're old friends when we see each other and now we've kind of built a friendship out of it but you go out of your way to to make people feel at home and uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's why you have such great relationships with your partners and in the hunting industry. You know, you're such a genuine good guy. Well, I appreciate that. You guys are making me blush. I'm glad this isn't TV right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can go. We can go Instagram live if you want. No, no, no. But you know, it is it is relationship based. This whole thing, and mm-hmm. and I'll you know, I think anytime you're doing what we're doing with partners and not knowing what the network's going to do and whatnot, it's I always have said it's a year by year thing for me and. I'll never hunt any less, but it, will it always be in front of a camera for a TV series or whatnot? I don't know, but the people that I've met, when I was a banker, yeah, I'd go to trade shows and functions and whatnot, but it never was the relationships like you build when you've got mm-hmm. the commonality, you know, the bond of hunting. And, I mean, I'll, you guys have been very complimentary of me. I've, I'll, I've got to turn the tables a little bit. That I mean, I've been an Eastman's reader for a long time. Yeah. I submitted... I've been in the magazine three times uh, from articles I've written, That's and cool. it's always been fun for me as a before I got in the industry to meet the guys who were behind Eastman's and mm-hmm. lots of other people that I hate personalities and celebrities, but have, have been that way. And you've learned that a lot of people aren't the way we are, and I yeah. think that's why I enjoy getting together with you guys all the time. When yeah. I don't get to spend time with the Eastman's guys at yeah. a bar in a podcast which has been more recent obviously around lunch i mean it's just 
it's it's a it's a relationship that is awesome and mm-hmm. and we only really do get to see each other once a year but it's always like we it was last month yeah. and it's it's been a, it's been a ton of fun the people the vast majority of people that i've met have been really really good and uh whether i knew them before or unlike you guys that i knew who you were and what you mm-hmm. stood for and to be able to build that kind of uh camaraderie has been just fantastic yeah. so complete and total change of subject but i haven't gotten to ask you what was going on i saw this on social when you guys were moving in was there an elk <laughs> mount that was like really a challenge to get in your new house and there may have been ladders involved ropes going through an outside window a balcony window or am i remembering this right oh unfortunately you are yes Okay, and well, we've got to hear the story. Yeah, so, uh, of course, Brian being in the construction business, you know, first of all, we had never built a home before. Mm. Um, and so we worked, and our architect and builder were great. This is no fault of theirs, but, you you know, my, we call it the barn. It's just an extra two-car garage in my office and man cave, if you will, mm-hmm. is, is above that. And I thought we had to make a few changes budgetary-wise and whatnot, but the peak was always going to be where the two shoulder mounts I have of elk were going to go. Nobody took measurements, did anything, and my cousin and I were loading up the mounts in my smaller bowl, which is a 260-class bowl. Great Colorado 6 by 6 you know, but no giant. We couldn't get it up the stairs. I mean, the door was too narrow, and, and so I'm like, what are, what are we going to do? We finally finagled a way to get him up, but then the, the larger bowl, there was no absolutely no way. I'm like, well, that was the whole point of having this up there. So then we got the builder he's like well let's just go and we'll pop the window open extend it the whole way we'll just kind of get a couple of us and jimmy it so we did do that to make to add insult to injury we get up there with the smaller bull try to put it up in the peak of that and because of where the top of the the window sash was and where the the peak came down with the angle it was it wasn't gonna fit oh no i'm like (laughs) so now what i mean that's the whole purpose of these things and long story short, they both went on a wall that one's t- antler tip of the smaller bulls just hitting the, the ceiling. And uh, they looks great where they are, but now I've got these two pitches that don't have elk in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you never take those measurements or figure it out. And they just were the more upright mounts rather than the sneak position. And so now with this new New Mexico bull, um, I think I'm going to actually just do a pedestal and do removable antlers, and I won't have any issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've learned. Those elk mounts are so big, yes. aren't they? No, they They're are. amazing Huge. just to get through a doorway, but then if you've got a stairwell or anything, there's just no way. Got to have the removable horns. Yeah, but good on you. That pedestal mount will fit in there nicely. I, I think so. I'm just, I, I laughed. I'm like, I got to call the, con, con, the architect because the builder was like, he built it to the plans. I'm like, one thing we never thought of is took measurements of the width or height or anything else to make sure it was going to fit. <laughs> but that made for some good social media uh, story on there. Oh, it, it, I was entertained. And the funniest part was I kept going back to it like because there's always a new little piece of this story. So first one is like you stand and they're holding. I don't know if your <laughs> wife was recording it or she who was. was. Okay. So it was funny. Like you're standing there at the bottom with it. I can see that look on your face. I've been there. You know, when something's not working that you planned and worked hard on, you're like, what in the world did I do wrong here? And then I could see that look. And then as the day went on, you just kind of embraced it and had to <laughs> laugh about it. It was funny. 
Well, so. thank God we built a good relationship with our builder and a couple of his subs because once the house was done, you, normally they just take off, do a couple of punch lists. That was not on the punch list or the, uh, I guess that goes under other duties defined in their job description <laughs> to be hanging out a window, pulling an elk mount up through the windows. Life's just full of challenges, just one after the next, isn't yeah. it? And it's all about how you go through life or how you handle it. So you could get really upset and mad. Here you've got this brand new house that you designed from scratch, and it's the one your family's in, and you have these spot for these elk mounts. And where else are you going to put them? Elk yeah. mounts are huge, and you can't get them up there. You can either get really frustrated and mad and have it ruin your day, or you laugh about it and you just figure it out and just make the best out of it. You know, life is just one challenge after the next and you know That's another right. one's coming and it's just yeah. the way you handle it. Like so much of uh, life and hunting is just about your attitude and it's the one thing you can control. That's no matter right. what goes wrong, the, the one thing you can control is how it affects you or your yeah. mood or your attitude. And just the, yeah. I, I just try to keep that thought in life as when I start getting red in the face or start getting upset at something like, yeah. hey, it's not that big of a deal. Yep. You know, uh, tomorrow's going to be a new day or whatever. That, you know, I'll get through this and, and really problems in life. You just, you can sit and fret over them for two days or you just come up with your best solution and you move forward and yeah. you do that. You do the best job you can and you let the right. cards fall where they do it. And it's tough to have that attitude, but boy, is it beneficial in life. Oh, it's life's too short to get just angry and bitter about things that yep. are out of your control. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've seen guys in the airport where a flight gets canceled or something, and just throwing a tantrum in the airport, you know. And and we've all we all travel enough. Like that's just what, how flying is. You're gonna get flights yep. canceled. You're gonna get landing gear that doesn't come down. You're gonna you'd be rerouted. Spend a night in a hotel <laughs> with your family here. Like you just gotta go with the flow, and it just is what it is. But yep. yeah, I I remember seeing this guy in the airport so upset at the airlines and it's like you're not changing anything nope. you know? exactly. nope there are things in life that you can control and there are things that you can't and how you react to the things that you can't and then your plans for the things that you can dictates a lot of your happiness mm -hmm. yes absolutely yeah and i hate making mistakes i hate missing with my bow but mm -hmm. you know all you can do is pick yourself up yep. and get right back out there you know along with my missing theme on these uh shows um <laughs> I, I i do my best work in uh trying to find redemption once i miss it seems like i've got such a hunger to create that again or to prove to myself that i can make that good shot that i i push so hard that most of the time, it happens. I yep. get another chance, and I end up arrowing an animal, you right. know, even when I miss. Yeah. Right. You'll sort of, I, I would think, appreciate this, Brian. So, you know, we talked last year at the podcast, and I had that Alberta deer hunt where I had the misfire on my release oh, yeah, a couple right. times. And, yes. and flat, I mean, fortunately, flat out missed this buck. When I finally started shooting my bow again in the spring, pretty much came to the conclusion it was operator error. To your point, you know, you don't practice enough and you don't practice with heavy yeah. clothing and everything, that it's a thumb release. When I was coming back, instead of really turning the arm so that I didn't, you know, hit anything with the thumb, I think I was only coming back this far, and I was occasionally hitting my cheekbone with my thumb, and it was prematurely releasing. Gotcha. So I, I went back into the garage, and I was doing two yards, just pulling back, making sure I had that, because if it did yeah. go off, I didn't want to launch it anyplace else and just hit that target. But come full circle to that bull in New Mexico, that was the first animal I had a shot at with my bow since the misfires in Alberta. And you, we talked about everything that happens between the years. That was, that was there up until, like, if this happens, I do not want to have that. I'm not thinking about the, 
I wasn't at times thinking about the positive, like I'm going to make this shot and kill this bull. I was like, dear God, just don't, you know, just make sure all the practice we've done since then pays off. Mm-hmm. I was so worried about it when that arrow flew true. But just coming full circle to the one that we did last year mm-hmm. and just missing with your bow and the redemption and how it all comes to fruition, I was really glad that that happened because um, that was a kind of a almost target panic situation yeah. that developed at the end of that. And I worked my way through and, and made it happen, and I killed a good whitetail with my bow as well with heavier clothing on. But sometimes you need those wake-up calls. Like, you just get a little lackadaisical and don't do what we all preach to everybody else. And uh, I paid the price in Alberta, but it came back. Oh, oh good on down. you, Willie. So. Yeah, your hard work paid off. And, you know, it's not always good to focus on the negative, but it's good to focus on the one thing that's important to your shot process. Yep. Yep. The one thing that you can mess up on or the one step that's yep. really important, and your step was not punching the thumb as you came back against your cheek like yep. you're talking. So that was the one step that you thought over and over and over again. You practiced it, and then out in the field, you were thinking about it again so you would not make that mistake. Man, that had to feel so good oh. to watch that arrow fly true. And on yeah. a bull, like elk, they're big targets. But elk, you have to hit perfectly. You mm-hmm. almost have to make a better shot on elk than on other animals. Right. Because wow. they're so big and they're so strong and they can go so far that it needs to be a precision shot on those things. So I almost get myself in the mindset when I'm hunting elk that, that man, you better sit on your pin and sit on your shot and put one right in the boiler room because elk are extremely tough. But, yep. man, congratulations. That had to feel oh, so it, good, Willie. That is did. full circle. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And on your biggest bull and in New Mexico. Gosh. It was, um, yeah, it was cool. Uh, life's just got uh, different plans in store for you, doesn't it? Missing that Alberta whitetail wasn't the end of the story. That's right. That's right. It made me focus and kind of get it back in, but it took a while to figure out what the issue was. And once I did, then it was just, okay, we're starting from ground zero and working our way back. Man, I've had um, with releases – there can be strange things that happen. And so I ran into this problem once, and then I watched my buddy Dan run into this problem at the beginning of a hunt, and we had to get them all fixed up. But I've noticed on these thumb releases, so just a little tidbit, nothing like this is what you were doing, but just something that I can add for the audience, is that I've had releases, thumb releases before, and if your string loop's too tight on the arrow knock or too small of a spot, Mm -hmm. or you don't tie serving above and below the arrow knock and create that space, that, that... um, that loop, your, uh, 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 your, what am I trying to say? Your, your arrow, I'm at a loss for words now, too many <laughs> podcasts, but your, um, your string loop that you have on your bow gets really tight, the space. And so when you hook it into your thumb release, it almost pinches against your release. And then you go to release and it catches for half a millisecond. Yep. Like not even enough to notice, but like your trigger goes off and there's like a delay there and the arrow goes nowhere close. So I ran into this and, and I was so frustrated, but I finally figured it out, got enough space. And then I watched my buddy Dan go through it. He showed really? up on a Utah hunt, string loop was a little tight and he could not get that thing to shoot at a target. And couldn't, couldn't figure out what it was doing. Finally, we figured it out, retied it on, got him sighted in. Um, but yeah, just a little thing like that, um, it can ruin your whole season. You guys aren't convincing me to make the jump to a thumb release here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, you can get delays, and um, you can have it happen on a trigger release just the same, yeah. too. When it pinches the single caliper, sometimes mm. it'll get caught in the hook right there yeah. if it's not a double caliper open. Um, 
So I, it can happen with any release for sure. I just switched to a, a single caliper, and, and guys, I'll be transparent. I am not the hardcore archery hunter. I'm like, I'll I'll kill it with whatever I can get a hold of, right. you know, for it. And that, most of the time, it ends up being a rifle. You know, I've told I've told you this, Brian. Like my my priority is always is big mule deer, and with the rifle season that opens up September 15th in Wyoming, you know that that yeah, that's just where that goes. But you know, I've had opportunities with with archery where um, I've switched to the single caliper, so it's good to know. It's a good tip. You know, just just go in there because I. I noticed that I was snagging the loop with a du- with a double That's caliper, exactly right. and so it was pulling me left. Like I could yeah. not figure out why, mm-hmm. you know, until I, I, I but I, I finally felt it because and I had my process, you know, pull it back, open up, move the finger from behind to the to the front, you know, just nice and slow, don't punch it, and I felt a snag. And really? then, it, yeah, like I actually, it was slow enough that the release, like I could feel the, it was just just enough. I was like. If it's doing it on this, I guarantee it's doing it, you know, all the time. It's just this one happened to be. Hmm. So right. Yeah. Yeah. You want a crisp, clean release. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times you can't tell because it's such a millisecond in between the release to the catch that you don't realize that your groups are just getting bigger. You got a flyer way out and you go, well, what in the heck happened on that one? But, yeah, it can be with that release. And it was consistent. I was consistent to the left. Once I got past that 35, 40 yards, I was consistently pulling it out, and I could not figure out why. And so part of it was it was an old release, like old tried and true, you know. Mm -hmm. It just worn out, you know. 10 years of using it probably to be from maybe that's conservative so you know it just finally wore out it, it just didn't the spring just wasn't working one, yeah. one thing i do before season every year is i uh, clean my release and a little bit of oil in there i just want to make sure it's such yeah. a crisp clean release those milliseconds if that thing holds on yeah it really messes with your accuracy and for that matter like anything archery or or with a rifle, attention to detail on those yep. small items, the right. tune of your bow, you can go in and, and be the best bow shot in the world and you go in on a hump, but if that bow isn't tuned right, like good luck yep. trying to hit something with it. And tunes can come out of bows, tunes, you know, oh, yeah. uh, rifle scopes can get knocked off. Yep. It's something that needs to be checked, um, you know, throughout the season and throughout the hunt, really. I like to shoot every day if I can yeah on well, a hunt yeah i don't do that obviously or presumably as much at all with a rifle rather but yes. archery i'm almost always hunting with a judo point in there to shoot stumps or gopher holes or something like that because you do practice all the time leading up to the hunt and then when you're in the field you aren't shooting no i mean it's real easy to get out of that and so if you can just shoot it like i said stumps or gopher holes or whatever make a little competition middle part of the day shoot a flower with a buddy guess your yardage mm-hmm. do that type of thing it keeps you sharp and just sort of keeps that repetition going you're right willie yeah and and also it gives you uh confidence is so powerful in the mountains when you have confidence in your equipment confidence in your skills you're walking around as a deadly predator well part of that is knowing that your bow's on and when you've gone three four days and you haven't shot an arrow and it's been wet out and snow and maybe froze and different temperatures stuff can move it can move a couple yards right pretty easy oh yeah yeah and if you're not paying attention, it can just be, like you say, just a slow yep. progression. All of a sudden, at 20 yards, you're probably still going to hit it. But yep. if you take that shot at 40 or 50, mm-hmm. it could go from, God forbid, a wound or just a flat-out miss. Yep. Nothing uh, kills me more. Those opportunities are so tough to come by that then when you have a malfunction or you have a bad, God, it just kills me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, 
mine this year, uh, so my, my big miss on film, uh, <laughs> so we were filming Montana, public ground, it was a great hunt, we were just into action. And uh, got it snowed in there and mudded up, uh, uh, nobody in there and bulls everywhere going crazy. And man, I got on this really pretty bull. He's probably like 340 or so, but just big white tips, great six point frame oh. to him, just the one. And he's, um, I sneak up on him and his cows throughout a two, three hour hunt of coyoting them and working them. And I finally get into bow range in there. And um, he stands up in the snow and he's right in my wheelhouse and I execute my best shot and just nothing. And I'm like, what in the heck happened? You know, I didn't hear anything. I went over to the bed, it's snow covered. There's no blood. I finally find my arrow, there's nothing. I missed him clean and it's an elk sitting out there in my bow range. And so I start, I, I took out the target. I'm close to camp, get back, pull out the target and shoot. And nine times out of 10, when you shoot out a target, you put it right in the middle and you go, oh, it was me then, mm -hmm. you know, my bow is fine. But I shot at that target and I shot four yards low in the dirt and skipped it into the target. And really? I thought, oh my God. And I looked down and my indicator pin on my sight from coming in and out of the truck or in and out of camp had snagged on something and it bent down. And now most of, this is an older sight that I had kind of, I, I put together after my Wyoming hunt because I had a malfunction there. So I had some old parts and pieces, scabbed it all together and went out there and my indicator pin had slipped four no yards down. Kidding. Yep. Move my indicator pin, sight back in, shoot at the target, put in, and then, you know, like I told the camera what had happened and I said, you know, I have all the confidence in my skills and my bow now and then end up arrowing like a really nice six point a couple days later when I got my opportunity. But man oh man, that just kills me to yep. miss like that. So Last, last elk I actually shot at with a bow. I, I missed it, um, and it was a. I didn't. We had a whole group of elk coming up a drainage, and Brandon has helped me pack elk out of this particular area multiple times. So I sent him to the other side because they were they were dogging the edge of these trees. So I sent him to the other side of the clearing. I was like, "You go over there." I thought he would get the shot, mm -hmm. like because he'd help me. So I was like, "This would be great." I'm just going to hang out by this rock, like behind this, literally behind this rock. I'm just going to hang out here. Of course, the elk came to me. <laughs> like it was one of those, oh my goodness. It, it was, you know, that hunt that you have every fall that's just that hunt. You're like, I could have lived without that one. Right. This one kind of was that for us. We, we saw a lot of elk, had fun, but it was a challenge. So we didn't call them anything because they were coming towards us. Well, they crossed that clearing instead of dogging the edge of the trees like, like I thought they were going to do. And they came up my side right underneath this. So I watched cow, cow, little spike come out, little spike come out. Then this, then I hear the bugle. And then so I just wait, and he bugles again and comes into right in range. I had ranged rocks in the clearing out, you know, so my, my range was good. But I drew back. Got it all the way settled, settled in. I didn't open up my fingers like I normally do. I gripped it. Really? I, yeah. And so, like, just because normally I just, just two, just enough, you know. I that's the only thing I, I, because I, I went through the process of all the checkpoints you do as you get set. I had plenty of time. He's standing there bugling, sniffing cows. You know, he's standing broadside, inch underneath his underneath right. You know, it'd have been a perfect heart shot. But I just put it like an inch underneath, 300 bull. I'm not a giant by any stretch, but it's still just that little process. But I knew right away it, it wasn't something with the bow. There was nothing off, but it was 100% me. It was just that 
I rushed the shot a little bit on what I know is the way to execute. I didn't hit my jacket, nothing like that, right. you know, because I, I was in, like, I was wearing, a, it was like base layer and a vest, so there was nothing to hit. So I knew right off the bat, it was, it was me, it was a process thing. I just didn't check off my last piece because I'm going to shoot this bull. He's 45 yards away. This is a chip <laughs> shot. So that also tells me there's a little bit of ego, you know. And so, it's just, but it happens. It's part of it. It's yep. part of the learning curve. Yep. So. You could make that shot a 1,000 out of a 1,000 times with an mm-hmm. elk standing there, an elk target. It's just a different deal under that fog yep. of adrenaline. And it we is. all deal with it. It's, uh, you know, it, none of us are immune to it. So we get better at handling yep. it and being better in that situation. Um, but, boy, that, that adrenaline, that is a powerful thing. It, and it, it must be ingrained into us from 200,000 yep. years of, uh, you know, being hunters and getting excited to try to make a kill. Yeah. So that excitement, it just runs through our veins. And, yeah, it's, it's like being in a car wreck. Yep. It's just tough to keep your composure sometimes. Do you guys ever feel like the misses are more vivid in your memory than the hits? Sometimes because of how many times you replayed them? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. They definitely haunt me more. Yeah. Yeah, they haunt me where I think over that scenario over and over and over again. Of what went wrong? How'd that go? Where was my pin? Where? When you make a shot and you send a perfect arrow, it's just over. Yeah. It's just like, man, I did that right. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Oh, There's yeah. something to killing a good bull or a good buck. But it adds to the experience when you make a really good shot, keep your composure, execute, watch that perfect arrow, like your ball, Willie. God, that feels yeah. good. I've had a lot of people ask how you how I kept my composure. I've, I mean, the footage that we got on this bull was just spectacular. Oh, I can't wait a, to a see giant. it. And I don't know, my tendency is I usually hit a sense of calm as I pull back and I'm getting ready to make the yeah. shot. The minute that arrow goes off, I lose my shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's when the it's almost that post it's that post adrenaline yes. rush. I mean, it's just kind of I enter calm and I I usually don't have target panic or I don't worry about that. I'm not shaking all over the place. Sometimes a little bit before if it's maybe going to happen, I get the leg bopping up and down a little bit. But man, after that arrow's gone, it's like oh, and then it all falls <laughs> apart. Nice. Well, well, that's the perfect way to handle it. Right, that's what right. you want. Let yeah. that adrenaline rush come after the arrow's gone, yep. after you kill that animal. That's what we strive for, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. I'll even get a little dose of adrenaline when I find a good buck or a good bull through my spotting scope. I'll be on the vantage point. I'm not even shooting. I haven't even made a stock. My leg will start to shake a little bit, or I'll get that. It's like, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> this is why I do it. Yep. If you ever, I always said, if you ever lose that, when you're, you just hang it up because yep. then you've you've lost your edge and you've lost yep. all that enthusiasm. Yep. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, uh, I can't wait to see season eight, season nine coming out soon, and now you're covered for the year. So, this hunting season, are you planning for the next year? Or are you hoping to uh, insert like some some cool hunts, like maybe the second part of the doll, or will this all go for season ten? Uh. Likely it'll all go to season 10. Wow, that's amazing. Yep. Well, you're ahead yep. by a year. Yep. Yeah. If that doll hunt happens, I, what I thought would be kind of cool if it, if it panned out, if there is a part two, that we, we air the first episode, do that really early in the run. Uh, and then if it happens and we go back, then you do that as part two, but of the same season rather than in the following year. I don't, you know, I don't think that happens very often, but it being an early August, September hunt, and knowing your Q3 and Q4, I think it could work that way. So 
knock on wood that the hunt you know does come to fruition we're able to do that but other than yeah. that hunt i think everything else will go to season 10. man that is awesome that's yeah. cool yeah um so neat so uh any big plans besides the doll sheep hunt? You talked about hunting with your dad again. Um, what are you shooting around, or is it too early to tell, and you just have to see where you draw? I think it's it's too early to tell. I mean, I would, uh, you know, you start getting a couple of these draws, mm -hmm. and then you start building your schedule up. But I would really like to go back to Kansas. I mean, it was fun from a lot of standpoints. I mean, hunting whitetails certainly different than the spot and stock and what we as traditional Western hunters are, you know, quote-unquote yeah. known for like to do. But I really do enjoy kind of the cat and mouse game of uh, sitting in a tree stand. But it's also a, a, a sublease, so we're given a couple of farms. And, yeah, the outfitters already set the stands up and whatnot. But if you see a trail that a bucks or you know, deer are using that is in a different spot, we'll go hang a new one. Or nothing's yeah. over there, we'll go do that. So it's pretty much freelancing it, which is great, instead of him saying, Here's the wind. You're sitting here. You know, I'll pick you up at 10 or whatever if you want to do an all-day sit. Great. If you want to get out. Um, and the fact that it's Kansas, my dad's in Salina, I want to make that happen again. That's really cool. Yeah. You like those whitetails, don't you? I really do. Yeah. I want a big, heavy one like that, and I want to focus on them. I just... I usually have, like, one deer tag for Montana. I end right. up going muleys. I did go to Ohio one year and did the all-day sits during the rut for, like, an eight, nine-day stretch. I about lost my mind. I really wanted to get out of the stand. But I, I did it, and it's a good lesson in patience, too. And, and man, I think hunting all these species and these different habitats and these different styles, they improve our skill sets mm -hmm. in different ways. Absolutely. And we get to take that that hunting skill and then apply it to our other hunts yeah. and whitetail is such a chess game it's such a thinking man game and they get so good at living in a small area and they're, they're just such a beautiful deer and when they get that older age class and grow that that mass you know those big beams like that and it's like one of a kind, and it's the most common deer in North America. Oh. So I really mm -hmm. need to do more of that whitetail. I, to tell you the truth, I've got about 20 whitetail does with my bow. I do not have a whitetail buck with my so, bow. Really? So I really need to set my mind to it and get one of those things down. So here's a confession for you guys. I shot my first whitetail buck this year. Really? Oh, it was a dinker. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's, how this, here's how it played out. Like, first off, it it's – you know, when you're doing a lot of, of hunts that are they're going to be filmed, you don't get you have to be picky. Like there's there's stuff that you have to do, and those are hunts that I am not bringing a two and a four year old on. Like right. it's just not. So we had an opportunity. So for our property that we use for for uh, duck hunting and goose hunting for wingmen, it also had a ton of whitetails. That farmer hates whitetails mm -hmm. like indiscriminately hates whitetails like kill all of them you get every single person with the tag that you can get to come here and kill them and todd and i are both like all right so todd figured it out his wife killed a buck he'd killed a a doe and a fawn already and we had a whole list of other people but we're trying to do it one at a time so it was kind of my turn after todd had finished and todd had looked over all the bucks he knew there wasn't any much bigger but we're going to shoot a, another buck. And so, and it's only open for 11 days for a buck. So we have it set up and we literally are able to park my Yukon in the middle of the field because it's farm. They are used to vehicles. Right. We park the vehicle in the middle of the field. I set the rifle outside next to the tire, put my, my swagger <laughs> shooting sticks next to it. And this little buck comes out like 10 minutes before, before dark and I'm like, 
this is going to happen. But my dad hasn't shot a deer in forever. It's time and schedule. He hadn't done it in a long time. I sat there for another five trying to convince him to take it. He's like, no, I'll stay in here with the girls and, and show them what you're doing. I was like, are you sure? And so I finally just slip out the side of the Yukon, hunker down, lean back, get the get it on the shooting sticks, and I smoked a a, a very small white tail. <laughs> but I didn't even care. It's your first one. No, it was the first yeah, one. Yeah, good going. So, we all got to start somewhere. I got to start yeah. too. <laughs> Ike will probably ask me for telling that story on air, but I don't even care. So, <laughs> you made the you made the farmer happy. I, yeah. We made the farmer happy, and we killed a lot of geese on that property. Did you really? Oh yeah, you need to come down to this sometime. Good meat, and like I said, like we started the podcast, authenticity. Sometimes you got to take the easy ones with the tough yeah. ones. You know, uh, you can't. Uh, what does that say? You can't kiss. Wh- what can't you do to a gift horse in the face? Don't don't look a gift horse in the face. Oh, okay. Don't look at him. Don't look him in the face. Okay, but yeah, sometimes you get these easier opportunities, and not that you know. Uh, we all want to be out and, and, and be in nature and go do, but sometimes you get these easier opportunities that you have to take advantage of, you know? So yeah, good on you. First white tail down. Oh yeah. It was fun. Yep. Good taste in meat too, especially a young oh, yeah. Buck, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been good so oh, far. My daughter, Katie. Yes. Um, so we wanted a deer pretty bad. She, uh, uh this is her second year hunting. She's 11 this okay. year. Um, so we could get her in the mentorship program. Uh, we went down, you know, with her schedule, with basketball, volleyball, with her sister, with her school, with her science fair, we finally got a weekend to go. And um, I can't remember if we did the youth weekend or we might have just been general season. But we got over there and it was cold, you know. And it's an adventure hunt with dad. This is our first big adventure hunt, you know, okay. five hours away from the house. And so, so we go and um, we find this really good group of bucks. And uh, we found this really nice four point. She's been practicing all her shooting positions, practiced her shooting, ran a couple boxes of shells through that gun, really comfortable. Got her a good shot at this four-point buck, and she missed. And I actually saw the buck do like, uh, you know, sometimes when you hit them in the heart and they do that leg kick with the back legs, he did that. So she must have just shot right under him. And it was in the snow, and we were able, I was watching with my spotting scope, so I could tell, you know, I said, gosh, he kicked, but I don't think you hit him. And so went up, looked for blood, never touched him walk back to the truck she's a little disappointed this is the last day and i said well maybe we'll find one you know on the way out or whatever so uh i had one more spot to check or a couple more spots to check on our way home and uh pull over during a snowstorm and i look out and here's a two by one out there a muley you know <laughs> and uh last year she killed a spike white tail same nice. thing farmer's property you can shoot a doe or a buck to shoot the first deer you come across and so she had shot a spike so this one was a two-by-one. I said, Katie, he's bigger than last year. So he's a two-by-one, <laughs> you know. She was nah. all for it. She just wants to get a deer. And we don't have any emphasis on size at this yep. point. It's just, right. you know, just an opportunity, yep. and you're just taking them out hunting. Really, it's more about the adventure hunt with their dad, you know. And so we go out, and, um, gosh, she's so small. She's, um, she weighs about 60 pounds or so, you know. We got her this little <laughs> rifle and her sticks. And so we go make a stock on this buck, and he had bedded down in the meantime. And so we make a play. And anyways, get her on the sticks, and she makes a great shot on it. Super proud. But, um, yeah, that, that buck is the best-tasting deer. And so every time we have her deer at the table, everybody just praises Katie <laughs> for shooting the small one, you know. So she is so proud of that two-by-one. So she's nice. the proud owner of a spike rack and then a spike by two. And um, size doesn't matter to her. She's no. happy as all get out. Heck, yeah. Yep. That's Eventually that, that comes. It's that whole progression as a hunter. You start out with 
you hit you hit that first animal, you know, then you get your first buck, and then eventually, okay, I want to do a little bit better. I want to be a little more patient, see if I can get a little, you know, and then it just progresses, and then, then eventually you end up going full circle where you're, it's about taking the kids out, and then mm-hmm. you'll just fill a cow tag to keep the meat coming, you know. Just, right. Just that, it's that progression. I, just, I mean, we've seen it with just probably every relative we've ever had as they've aged. Yeah, that's exactly it. Willie, man, I always love talking with you, getting you on the podcast. What a great conversation, man. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, I appreciate it. I always love hanging out with you guys, like I said. And just to do it in a podcast format is just a little bit more special. It's funny. I never know what, you know, I always know I'm going to talk to you about hunting and uh, about your show. I always love your episodes that come out. But I never really know where the conversation is going to lead. But it always leads to a good place. It does. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right, that's a wrap. Really fun show recording with Willie Schmidt. Like I say, I just uh, I always enjoy talking to Willie. He's just so passionate. Um, um, such a uh, he just loves to to hunt, to bow hunt. Um, gosh, and he just loves the nuances of it too. He's always trying to get better. So I I really enjoy that guy. Make sure to check out his show, Pure Hunting TV. Um, you can check it out on his website. I've been catching up on season eight. I think I have season nine recording on my DVR. I got to catch up on that. I can't wait to see like the doll sheep episode uh, and things of that nature. Uh, just puts out awesome next level content, next level storytelling. Um, it, it's just a great show, um, and he works really hard at it. And uh, it it's no it's no surprise that he's seen the success that he has because he puts out a really good product. So make sure to check it out. And uh, send Willie a message if you like his show that you heard from it here. And, yeah, thanks again for Willie taking the time at a busy show to sit down and visit with us. Um, So you can probably hear the low rumble in the backdrop. Uh, uh, Just a a bunch of people at that Western Hunting Expo. It's really fun to go to to be able to apply for some of those special tags. I wasn't lucky enough to draw any, but one of these years they'll pull my name out of a hat. So uh, fun to to put in there and have a chance at some different premium tags. And say just fun to catch up with all you guys. Not all of you guys, but some of you. And um, yeah, and then just different friends in the industry that I don't see or talk to all the time, but I get to get to sit down and have a conversation with them and then just awesome podcasts. So uh, it was a great time. Um, look for more of those recordings coming up. Um, so I'm sitting on some really good content. Just really excited to release it to you guys. I uh, want to thank our sponsors. Thank Onyx. We've got a great podcast coming up with them. I want to thank Sportsman's um, for letting us use their booth and uh, for always being a supporter of the podcast. And, um, yeah, thank Eastman's for bringing me down there, um, fitting the bill for the whole deal. And, uh, gosh, it was sure fun to stay. I mean, it wasn't like a penthouse up there, but it felt like it. You know, for me, I don't stay in those places very often, so that was pretty cool. And then just always fun to hang out and laugh with those guys, stay up late, Um Gosh, I did not get as much sleep as I should and um, maybe drank a couple too many adult beverages, but I, I laughed so hard. My stomach hurt. I had a, a ping pong tournament at the end one night. I think it was up to like three in the morning um, trying to beat Brandon. I finally got him uh, two out of three. So I was the ping pong champion in the house, but 
uh, just so hilarious. It just uh, uh, everybody having fun and laughing and um, getting some work done too. Uh, not that I should tell you guys, I was up till three in the morning. It's not very often I do that, but uh, late nights where you go out and um, have dinner with different people and um, share some drinks and things. So yeah, a couple late nights there for me, but uh, I kept it in check and was up early every morning, ready to go. Um, but yeah, just a just a great time with those guys. So, um, thanks to our sponsors, thanks to Eastman's, uh, make sure to check out, um, our, our other platforms, the Beyond the Grid, the Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel, and then the magazines. Uh, again, I've got that deal for both magazines. You get the Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, and an Outdoor Edge Knife, uh, includes everything, including shipping, it's forty nine ninety nine. And uh, we'll get you a subscription to both of those magazines, which gets you the MRS, which is the Members Research section, which only goes out to our subscribers. Just some awesome content in there. I know I'm studying up on that thing big time as uh, we got the Utah draw coming up on the 5th. And um, gosh, what's New Mexico's coming up? Some other ones coming up. I've got a whole list there, but um, it's fun being in tag season. You know, just to to think that you're going to have the opportunity at some of these hunts and kind of research them and look into them. So much fun planning out my season. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, man, trip out to the Olympic Peninsula was awesome. So fun, just another adventure out there. Like I say, such good buddies out there. So many great laughs. Um, fishing really hard, which I love to do and, uh, just doesn't get any better. So back here for a little bit, um, cranking out some content, getting some construction work done. And I think I got a, I got a trip. Well, I don't think I do. I do have a trip. I've got my flights booked and everything. I'm going to go try odd at It's going to be a short trip. Got an invite from a friend to go down to Texas. He's got a place down there. So um, I'm going to go check it out, try it out, and uh, really looking forward to it. It's going to be an absolute riot down there. Um, so that's coming up here towards the beginning of April. So that's kind of the next thing I have to look forward to. And uh, a little fishing around here and things. Um, oh, sheds are going to be hitting the dirt, so I'm sure I'll do some some big long hikes for those things. Get get my dog Gunny out. We'll go see if we can find a few of those brown sheds here pretty quick. And um, man, got to get back to normal life here. I've been on vacation so long, uh, which is a good thing. But uh, yeah, got to get back to work. Get some things done. I got to get this little house wrapped up. I'm working on. Um, we're moving pretty good on it. Just finishing the inside now. I just want to turn over the keys to these owners. Have them step into a nice place. So. Um, it's kind of my focus here now. We've had guys working the whole time on it, but, um, yeah, I poured the counters yesterday, did some concrete counters for them. So I'll stain those up, get those finished and we're getting close. What do I got left? Like trim, some hardwood floors, hoping I can have it wrapped up here in a couple weeks. So, um, working hard towards that, but, uh, got some good content coming for you guys, man. I'm excited to release it to you guys. But I just want to thank you for all your support. Oh, those those magazines, that promo code um, is Elevated220. So you can text that to 22828 and get that subscription or plug it in in the promo code on the Eastman's website there. And that'll get you both magazines for an entire year for $49.99. They throw in an Outdoor Edge replaceable blade knife. 
Uh, that includes the shipping and everything, so should be good to go. Uh, thanks, you guys, for all the support. Humbling to meet you guys at the show and hear what this podcast means to you and uh, how it's helped you. Um, man, just means the world. It's helped me, too, <laughs> like this podcast. Uh, I get to be in on all these great conversations with all these uh, consistent next-level hunters. So, I mean, I gather the same information that you guys do and and think about my own game and how I can apply it. So it's, it's helped me so much in that aspect, and, and I just love sharing my journey with you guys and, and uh, trying to make you guys better. And um, we're, we're really building a, a cool community through this podcast, so I'm super stoked at it. And with that, I better go get some of this construction work I'm talking about, get this podcast out to you guys, keep rolling here today, and um, see if I can get caught up. But um, yeah, thanks so much, guys, and I really appreciate it. So check in with you next week.